Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. This is a podcast about business development. This is for people who want to get better at business development or are interested in getting into it and don't even know where to start like I did several years ago. Today, I'm talking to Dax Williamson, Managing Director for Silicon Valley Bank here in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Dax. Awesome. This will be a lot of fun. It's my first time in the uh, podcast realm. So thanks for having me. All right. Well, it's the first time for everything. So Dax, when I got to Austin, Texas, I recently moved here. I was told right away that you were the guy I needed to know. So <laughs> I want to know, how does a guy obtain that status in a town like, like Austin, Texas? Well, it's, uh, it's great to hear my reputation precedes me in a, in a positive way. Um, you know, I think a big part of it is certainly the brand that I'm associated with, right? We've got a great platform and a great brand. And so I think for uh, folks that are trying to get into this world, uh, first and foremost, associate yourself with a great brand. And it doesn't really matter what your role is. Um, you're just going to find that they have great brands for a reason. And it's generally because they've taken good care of their customers and they've taken good care of their people. So brand is first and foremost, um, and then developing your personal brand as well. And that just comes down to uh, your day-to-day -day interaction. Every single interaction you have with someone um, has an opportunity to uh, build trust or destroy trust. And so I think keeping that in the back of your mind is, is super important with, with every person you're meeting. Sure, especially when you're dealing with people's money or company's money. So, so talk talk to, to us a little bit about what your role there is at Silicon Valley Bank and about the bank itself for listeners who aren't familiar with it. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Uh, it's always fun to talk about things I'm passionate about. And yeah, the bank was really started because there was um, I the identification of a complete uh area of the market that was unserved, not only underserved, but unserved. So uh, technology companies back in the day had no ability to work with commercial banks. Commercial banks like to lend into things like hard assets or cash flow, go figure, right? Mm -hmm. They do like to get their money back. And so the bank found a way to lend money into uh, loss situations. And that's really because of its understanding of the venture capital ecosystem and the way venture capitals fund businesses. So we really work hand in hand with uh, entrepreneurs and the venture capitalists that fund them, really sitting at the intersection uh, of capital and innovation um, and facilitating growth for those businesses and also helping the VC's money go further. What I do in my role is really try to build the ecosystem here at the local level and, and also the bank's brand. And what we want to do is increase the probability of success uh, for each and every company that we have an opportunity to work with. And so that really goes beyond the capital piece of it, right? I say it's the four C's. Certainly capital is, is one, of, one of those C's, but capital is really the commodity. We're all selling money uh, when, you, when you get down to it. And so the other, the other C's that I think are the real differentiators are uh, SVB's commitment to the ecosystem. So this is really the only thing we do um, is serve innovators uh, and the venture capitalists that fund them. You think about a traditional bank and they're, uh, um, you know, they're really a mile wide and an inch deep and they try to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so because it is the only thing we do, then we go super deep uh, with, with our customers. Um, and because of, because of going super deep, we can provide valuable connections. It's another one of those C's, right? Mm -hmm. um, so oftentimes I am providing introductions to uh, companies, early stage companies that are looking for their first round of financing. Um, and so it, a big part of my job is to help, uh, help make those connections and understand business models of companies, um, as well as investment uh, strategies of the venture investors so that we can kind of play matchmaker. And then the fourth C is counsel, right? And so we um, spend 10 hours a day, uh, every day of the week with, uh, with these companies. And so you learn a lot about uh, the, the unique risks that they tackle, um, both from a business standpoint, but also the personal challenges uh, these entrepreneurs face. It can be super lonely to be the CEO or the founder of one of these companies you have literally everything on the line trying to keep your baby alive each and every day. And so that can be lonely. And so again, providing connections um, and advice to these folks um, at, at really challenging points in their, in their journey can be really, really helpful. And so that's, that's all super exciting for me. I love the, the deal and getting the deal done, but, but what I love more is helping someone at the personal level too. So Dex, you mentioned the notion of a personal brand, and I want to dig in a little deeper on that. At what point in your career did you realize that you had a brand uh, yourself? Was it, I see you graduated from TCU back in 99. Did you, did you have that notion then, or is it something you developed along your career at Wells Fargo or somewhere along the road? Yeah, so now you're starting to, to, to date me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I didn't go into business development initially. I, I kind of found my way here along the way after getting uh, you know, a broad variety of experiences in the business world. And, and personal brand was probably not a concept that, that I had really started develop until several years into my career. Um, and I got into business development really because it was, it was two things, right? It's kind of a, at some point in your career, you get enough experience. And so you kind of sit down and do a self-inventory, a self-assessment of what are the things that I do that are somewhat unique to me where I can separate myself from my peers. And so what am I good at and what do I draw energy from? And then also, uh, you know, this was early on in my, in my career with, with SVB, I've been here 12 years now, you know, you, in the banking world, you have a bit of a unique role. You've got two sales roles at the same time, whether you realize it or not, you're always selling a deal internally to your credit partners. So you've got to get them bought in with what you want to do and what you want to take to market. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to go sell it externally to the client as well. And so I've got uh, the same, the same deal at my job. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I see a startup company. I'm, I'm super jazzed about that startup company. Usually they don't have the money to afford the fees that my firm charges, but I got to get an attorney excited about it too. So I'm then selling it to the attorney and I have to kind of do a double sales job. And so I guess you, you must have that similar type of uh, role there. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, without even knowing it, you kind of start developing your own style and learn to convey <clears throat> the nuance of, you know, number one, why we should do the deal internally and the certain elements of the deal that, that are going to make us comfortable in doing it, how we're going to make money, how we're going to get our money back. 
but also externally why someone should work with us and and work with me personally right mm -hmm. um and so deals are almost always one on the margins you're you know no one's ever rarely ever blown out of the water on a on a deal that rarely happens so what is it on the margin that's going to push that marginal element in your favor and i i, I truly believe it's relationship and, mm -hmm. and that happens time and time and time again yeah i always tell entrepreneurs when they're you know building a business you're going to ha have to hire at least one law firm at least one accounting firm and a bank, right? Those are things yep. that all growing companies are going to need. So I tell them, don't just, don't just pick vendors. Don't go look for the the low cost provider. You got to figure out who's going to help you build your business. And you know, and I I say that you know obviously because I play that role when I'm helping an entrepreneur. I help them build their business, and I imagine you've got some value adds like that that you bring to the table as well. What would you say some of those are? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, somewhat going back to the four C's we discussed, and, and maybe I'll add a fifth one, right? Yeah. Um, it's compassion. Um, and so, you know, building a business, standing something up from nothing is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then building, not only building product, but then building team, right? And, you know, you've kind of got to keep the smile on your face when when everything may feel like it's crumbling around you. And that is exceptionally challenging to do, exceptionally lonely. And so having that compassion, hearing them out, right, and, and just willing to be a sounding board from time to time for these entrepreneurs that are facing challenges and maybe putting them in touch with others who have navigated similar waters, uh, that that goes a long way. So again, that's that's that inch wide mile deep strategy uh, because it's all we do we we are in an unusual position to to help somebody in a way that people generally wouldn't think a bank would help someone yeah you're definitely on the riskier side of banking and i and i've experienced this as an entrepreneur myself i remember when i was with a startup company some time ago um we had a a venture loan and i remember you know we wanted to maintain that relationship with that bank beyond that company, right? Because the company ultimately went down. Um, but there was a point at time where if we made our payroll, <laughs> we were going to break covenants with the bank, right? And I'm sure you've been there many times. How do you manage through that when, when you know, you've got a startup who's, who's on the brink and, and, you know, trying to make payroll and, and you, you're, you're compassionate, but, but how do you work through those tough issues? Yeah, yeah, no doubt it's it's challenging on many levels. I, I think one thing is, you know, recognizing, helping them understand that that we're there to help and we're not there to take the company from them, right? So we've, mm -hmm. we've seen this playbook a number of times and we've seen when things start to go, uh, start to hit the rocks a little bit, some things you can do to, to salvage uh, the situation or at least head towards a soft landing versus a hard landing, right? And so we tried to um, give advice and, and again, the pattern recognition around that um, to help companies maybe achieve a softer landing. And it's also, look, we, we recognize we're in the business of taking risk. Um, we know we're gonna take losses. And so it's playing that long game um, and, and being willing to uh, you know swallow really hard and take that loss because I'll tell you that any one business, any one loan is far less important to us than 
um, our reputation within the entire ecosystem. And so mm-hmm. if we were to be heavy handed with any one company, um, just because they you know, missed the mark or underperformed or, or we ended up losing money, that, that is going to be way more costly to us, um, our misbehavior longer term. So we always try to play the long game um, and uh, you know, do what's right for, for the ecosystem at large. Mm-hmm. And do you have any personal little, little tricks that you use to, to, you know, get people to, to like you or want to work with you? I, you know, I, I know guys golf or they do golf lessons or they, they do boating trips or are there any little things that you do that, that, uh, that I could steal? <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to get good ideas here. Yeah. Um, doing, doing different is, is really important. And, you know, I look at, at what our competitors do. We're just not even competitors. There's just a lot of banks out there, right? Yep, banks sure. love to do sponsorships right? Um, and, and write big checks for sponsorships. And, and in my opinion, 90% of those are garbage. Yep. Um, what value is derived from um, putting your name on a, on a poster board or on a website, right? Zero. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I can't think of, of a situation where I've won a deal because of a sponsorship. Um, what, what I have found to be super successful is curating your own events. Um, it's a heck of a lot more work, but I, I can tell you a hundred times out of a hundred, it will have a better ROI than a, a sponsorship where you just kind of mail in a check. Um, and when I put on those events, I, I like to connect two things that maybe haven't been connected before. Um, and so a great example is we have the Formula One race here in Austin. Um, and, and we used to uh, host clients out there. Number one, it's such a unique event in and of itself that most Americans don't get an opportunity to go to. Um, but we have this unique platform where we also work with premium winemakers. Um, and so we would bring in a new winemaker from Napa at the end of the race every single day to have uh, a toast and get to expose them to um, some really high-end wine and meet the winemaker, right? So we work with people that um, are either building towards a big wealth event or have already created a big wealth event. And so they can oftentimes go buy whatever they want. We want to create an experience that they can't buy. Right. Um, and so putting those two things together um, was, was a real uh, opportunity to, to drive a success and also spend real time with your clients. Again, a sponsorship where you show up an event where there's a bunch of other service providers, um, you're not gonna spend real quality time with your clients. A setting like that, you've got all day, eight hours with your clients and your prospects. So those sorts of things. I think also in the pandemic, we've, we've been forced to rethink how we go to market and, and spend time with clients. Um, obviously it's not in person. Um, one of the coolest things one of my team members did recently was she hosted a concert. Um, we got a musician to uh, play a concert for us. We went out to, again, everything goes back to wine. A lot of things go back to wine in, in our bank. Um, we found a vintner out in the hill country and we we had this musician on site and we live streamed this concert for our clients one evening so that they could just tune in and enjoy an evening away from, uh, you know, away from business and away from the pandemic fear and, and involve their, involve their family members. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And again, it was something unique that stood out in people's minds. 
Dax, those are some great ideas. Um, as we're, I think, coming towards the end of this pandemic, I think you and I ought to collude, collude on doing a post-pandemic happy hour of some sorts. <laughs> so let's uh, for sure. Let, let's. I think everybody's waiting for that first in-person event that we can all go to and enjoy ourselves. So okay. let's uh, let's talk about that later. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you so much, Dax Williamson, Managing Director of Silicon Valley Bank here in Austin, Texas. Enjoyed having you. All right. Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. You have been listening to Brainmakers with Carl Grant.